Nintendo. For the week of May 21st, 2015, I am Jose Otero, and this is IGN's Nintendo Show. Joining me this week, Per Schneider. Hi, Jose. Samuel Claiborne. Welcome back. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much. And special guest, Chris Kohler from Wired. Yes. Yes. So nice to meet you again. <laughs> oh, man. He's back. So, Here Chris. Da, na, na, na. Right, a Chris Kohler appears, and Chris, uh, I wanted I wanted you to talk about something that you mentioned to me before the podcast. I did, a, yes. A cool thing people need to know about. Yes, this is an IGN Nintendo Voice Chat exclusive announcement. <laughs> I know, I know, uh, the exclusives go over well here at IGN, so I wanted to, I wanted to have one too. You brought your I own died. for the show, exactly. I like it. So, a question that I always get: I brought with me a copy. This is a book. I wrote it in uh, the year two thousand and four. It's called Power Up: How Japanese Video Games gave the world an extra life and it was published by Brady Games in 2004 and it went out of print in 2005. <laughs> uh, oh, it's very God. hard to get your hands on this these days and people keep asking me when is it coming back? When is it coming back? I am here to say Power Up is coming back <laughs> March 2016 All right. uh, via Dover Publications. We are doing a second edition. We are not touching the, the, the material that's already there. I have to just deal with it. You're not fixing any typos? I'm not. Well, we're, we're going to. Yeah, actually, we're <laughs> where there are actually um, very small, like little errors and typos. We're fixing it. But in general, um, we're not changing the, the book itself. Um, and this also means uh, that it's going to be available for the very first time in ebook format oh, cool. because who buys books anymore it's and actually the Dover... book they got me to play Ica by the way what there see so we, we're changing lives let me so tell hopefully... you actually this game changed my life in a very real way I bought this or actually my, my girlfriend uh, at the time who's now my wife she bought it for me for that's, uh, my birthday and that's how from, you know from GameStop that's how you know she's a keeper by the but way I, I've she been buys you power up I know yeah. I, I was looking at it uh, a lot and she bought it at a GameStop which I thought was funny yeah and, uh, and, I, and I, I read it and then I used it on my uh, my end of college like big research paper I got my degree in creative nonfiction writing. So I was writing about games and I was really interested in getting a job at IGN. Like I'd looked at resumes at IGN, or not resumes, I'd looked at job descriptions and I was like, I'm going to do this. Here's what I need to do. And I got my degree and I got a little job at a PBS channel locally. But I was really interested in writing about games. So I was like, I couldn't believe after reading uh, uh, David Sheff's book, uh, Game Over, that there was another book out there that I could read right after that. And this was it. And it just happened to be the, the, the book I read. And I used it in my paper. I used it, I cited it quite a bit and it was totally an honor to meet you eventually because it's really great. It's the story of Japanese video games and why they changed uh, uh, the U.S. game industry and uh, I just thought that was a really cool way to tell it. My favorite thing was the chapter about how Donkey Kong was this uh, the first game to tell a, a story in a meaningful way. I mean, you, met, you talk about Pac-Man stuff in there, the cutscenes, but I just thought that was like a really interesting type of game writing I never read in 2004. I mean, this is a long time ago. It is so a long time ago, thanks for writing ago, this yes. book. It meant a lot to me. You make it feel you're, old wow, now. Like, wow. It feels like you're like twice my age right now. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. But yeah. It totally got me into in wanting to write about games. Turn like, of the century. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I, yeah. I never, you know, I never knew that. Yeah. I never knew that. 
that. And uh, that's I have a very, very ratty copy of this so, on my shelf still. And we also, I always, uh, we include it in this like books you should read about games uh, article we do around the holidays every year. So I'm glad mm-hmm. it's back in print because we, we we had plugged it before. I wrote a little uh, write up on IGN about it, and then like nobody was able to get it. Now you can actually. I wish you could plug it for this holiday season, but you know, like everything, everything we you know we it had got delayed. delayed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. everything gets delayed. So my understanding is this book was based off of your graduation thesis, yes. which was called. Uh, if, correct me if I'm wrong. The cinematic Japanese video. Indeed. Game. Uh, and this is when you studied at Tufts University mm-hmm. in Massachusetts. Yeah. So talk a little bit about approaching this thesis. I mean, at the time we're talking like 2002. I still uh, roughly there. I'm guessing right. Uh, yeah. Early early 2000. Yeah. I feel like video games <laughs> in in most schools still it still wasn't something that I feel like was very discussed on campus. At least it's not totally in, how it was in the yeah. academic sense discussed right. on campus. So why don't you talk a little bit about like sort of approaching this thesis and sort of deciding this is what I want to do. Video game. It was it was a couple of years. It was only a couple of years after this very um it's it's there's there's a very well known uh in in these circles uh, event that took place at MIT in the year 2000 that I got to go to mm-hmm. and it was um Henry Jenkins uh, the guy who ran MIT's media lab at the time like did an academic conference about video games wow. it was like the first time this had really ever been done uh Gabe Newell went there uh, Gabe Newell war inspector was there a lot of people who were going to be really changing the video game industry um were at this conference um and it was just really at that time that like games were kind of starting to attract that level of academic attention. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was very, very, very weird for me in the Japanese program at Tufts University to go and say, I want to study video games, I want to do my graduation thesis on mm-hmm. Japanese video games. Um, but I had great mentors there uh, who, you know, um, they were very well versed in Japanese film and other aspects of Japanese visual culture. I mean, I, I took a class my sophomore year um, about Japanese visual culture, and I'm like, oh man, video games just dovetail into Japan. Was it talked about in the know, class? Centuries. Were video games talked about in the class? Yeah, a little bit towards yeah. the end. That's, um, what, that's what my Japanese like pop culture classes always were. It was always like a bunch of manga and anime stuff. Yeah, never really talked about games. So it was great to be able to like write about that for those classes and be like, you know, hopefully introduce the professor to that 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 angle. Right, and we started with you know ukiyo-e and the the woodblock prints, you know, that sort of thing. Which um, are so pop-looking. They're crazy absolutely. cool. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So for someone who doesn't know what that means, why don't you give them the, the elevator pitch? Like, someone listening who doesn't know. There was uh, there yeah. was just one on uh, the, 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 the the last few episodes of Mad Men, the print of the octopus <laughs> the and octopus? pleasuring a woman, you know. Um, but they're not all like that. But there was there was that there sort of a a sexual those, element yeah. to a lot of them, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but it just basically, I was learning in school that Japan just had this incredibly if, if the development of Western popular culture was based around the word, based around the novel, then the development of Japanese culture and popular culture was very absolutely prized the image mm-hmm. uh, for, for centuries, you know, for a millennium even. And and that and sort of the light bulb goes off in my head. It's like, oh man, well that's why Japan grew these amazing video game creators who were so fluent, I think, in the medium from its very beginnings mm-hmm. is because they are just they just grew up not uh, with with words, but they grew up with pictures and they grew up with manga and everybody mm-hmm. read manga. Yeah. All so our favorite totally like video game designers from that era can sketch you a perfect image of the characters they invented. Yeah. They're amazing visual artists and they painted with pixels, you know, that when 
in the U.S. you get games like Adventure, where it's just like this is like represent representational cave painting type stuff. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's programmer the, art, and yeah, I mean the people, art, exactly. you know, and and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, people mm-hmm. were doing amazing things. I mean, Adventure is a, you know this I mean, that that created the console adventure game genre from you know out of which grew Legend of Zelda. But you you had to be a computer programmer. But in Japan, you you saw guys like like you know Miyamoto who had absolutely no idea what he was doing. Uh, you know, as far he could not program a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he could design a video game. And yeah. you saw those guys getting elevated in Japan first. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah. <clears throat> but and a lot of that's covered in this book, and I, it, and I do recommend it. Exactly. And so that's what I'm I was really trying to it. get at. There's there's so many books now about video games. Like I know. In 2004, that when this came out, there were very, well, that's very what I'm saying. Like, I read Game Over, mm-hmm. and I had, like, books about, you know, old arcade games and, like, histories and stuff like that, but very little... And this is still a hard book to do because it's you can't really talk to people in Japan about the games they made back in the day very easily, especially in Nintendo. It was impossible in 2004. Yes, I was I was incredible. I'll tell you, I was incredibly lucky uh, that um, because first of all, when I wrote this book, I didn't have a job yet, yeah. so nobody really had to talk to me. And for some really strange reason, I met Miyamoto at an E3, mm-hmm. and um, I kind of mentioned that I had studied in Kanazawa, which in Japan, which is where he that's where he went uh-huh. to college. Mm-hmm. I tried to just make that connection. And when I went and I moved to Kyoto, I was a, a Fulbright scholar. I did a uh-huh. Fulbright scholarship to do this book. And um, I moved to Kyoto and I wrote to Miyamoto. And I was just like, hey, so um, can I do an interview with you? And for some weird reason, he actually wow. responded and was like, yes, uh, come to Nintendo's office and we can we can do an interview for so this you book. Went to the, and to this the white was room. it was one of the most extensive interviews with Miyamoto. It, it lasted hours. Yeah. It was one of the most extensive interviews with him to that point that had ever been done. I read for this book every interview with Miyamoto. Yeah. There were not that many yeah. interviews. And there were like with weird Miyamoto. ones from Nintendo Power and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like really dinky little interviews. And it was just trying to. And there was a lot of companies just shut me down. They just shut me down. Like right. I was not able to make any headway with Square Enix at all to talk to like Sakaguchi or anything yep. like that. Wow. And so I just had to like piece together the scraps of information that I had, yeah. which is again part of the sort of embarrassing part of like putting it back out there again. It's like the 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 level of scholarship, the level of mm-hmm. journalism of reporting on these these games has has just gone exponentially since then, but I really want to get it Cool, man. Back out there, so right? It feels like we know so much about these game creators now that when you're bo- when you're scheduling an interview, yeah. you kind of get trapped in the well. I guess we'll talk about your latest game and like and try to find some of the topics, yeah. right? Because we've explored them so much. But but back then, obviously, there was I, I love was even today like trying to Shanghai interviews with when I mean you know I did oh, an yeah. interview. Remember when Donkey Kong Country uh, came around <laughs> for the Wii and um, Kensuke Tanabe was was going around doing interviews yeah, for that Super Mario Brothers two. He made Super Mario Brothers two. <laughs> Nobody had ever asked him about that. So I yeah, just took yeah. up I took up half the interview asking about Super Mario yeah. Brothers 2. And the guy wow. says to me thing. the guy says to me, go back and read this interview. I'm like, so what's up with um, you know, why did you like go make, you know, even Metroid Prime? And he was like, Oh, well, I went to make Metroid Prime because I developed an alcohol problem. And they were like, you know, if we start sending this, maybe if we send this guy to, to America, Texas. it'll kind of break him out of his routine <laughs> a little bit. And like that was and he was it just was very, punishment. and it's like nobody had asked him these questions before. And yeah. so it's so frustrating and sad when a lot of these stories are, are going away. Yeah. So yeah, and, yeah. and obviously the challenge, and you know, we we get this more so in the entertainment world when we interview movie stars is 
because the moment you veer off topic, there's somebody in the room and says, no, 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 we're, we're just going to mm-hmm. talk right. about this game right now, that, this movie right now. And that now. always yeah. happens in Some, video games, too. Yeah. So it's a bummer. I try Japanese to sneak it in as much as I can. Oh, for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Later, we'll shut you down in yeah. some cases. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That's we what happens with Nintendo that. a lot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you went, so you visited Nintendo then as a Fulbright scholar. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that experience? You know, sort of, you, you went to the White Room, I'm assuming. Where yeah, just the White Room, that's the one. No one, you know, there's nothing in there. I never got any further than the White Room, which was sort of amazing. A woman came out with little tiny glasses of tea and little snacks and things like mm. that that she, she, she brought out. Um, this is and in that like iconic Kyoto like white face building? That, yes. Yeah. And I actually went twice. The first time was like as soon as I got there and I sat down with Miyamoto and I was very confident that I didn't need a translator and uh, that was wrong. Um, <laughs> but we had really great conversations that are, you know, that are that make up part of the book. And then I went back um, with Mr. Miyamoto and his longtime translator, Mr. Minagawa, Minagawa who you always son. say, very, really, really tall guy. <laughs> really <laughs> smart, really sharp translator. And only um, translates half of what Miyamoto says. This, in this, yeah? in this time, at, during this interview, he absolutely <laughs> nailed every single oh, okay. thing for sure. He says no. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, we that's when we did the really crazy long-ranging kind of interview and I got down to, you know, everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a super huge trip uh, to be 24, no, 22, 22, 23, and Jeez. like wander into Nintendo's office. And then, you know, a couple blocks away from Nintendo's current offices is the old Nintendo playing cards building. Which, if you know how to find it, if you so, wander down enough, I think you streets, tweeted you know, that out recently. Make a pilgrimage, so, yeah. Like you found the Google mm-hmm. Map. Like I walked, I walked there by memory okay, on yeah, Google Maps really Street funny. View. Yeah. And it's got that metal sign on the door, right? Oh, like yeah. That. Once yeah. you get there, you know it because there's a sign in English that says the Nintendo Playing Card Company. It's uh-huh. unmistakable. But places don't have addresses in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it looks like an old firehouse or something, too. Like it's, yeah. it's like old, just brick, yep. non distinct building. And uh, they never, I mean, they don't lock their doors in Japan in general. Like nobody locks their front doors because it, the front door to your house is not don't the, abuse the gateway this. to your house. Yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, the front door <laughs> to your house is not the gateway to your house. The 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 entryway past the entryway that's the gateway so when you have a, a random visitor they just walk right into your entryway and they say hi are you here so nintendo that building they didn't lock the door so i waltzed right in and i go in and i mean it's like going into the the you know somebody like a the tomb of king tutankhamen the walls <laughs> it's a small little lobby but the walls are all covered with these ancient you know 150 year old playing cards wow. all the old nintendo hanafuda are all on the walls. It's like super dark in there, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just looking around and just my, my jaw is dropping at all this stuff. <laughs> and there's and then I see there's an old man like sitting in an office in the corner who turns to me and says in Japanese, like, no field trips. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I'm like, whoops. And I walked right out of there. That's probably next, his job all day. Ne- the, yeah. next, the next time <laughs> that no I field went, trips guy. The next time I went back, they started locking the doors. Oh, Chris. <laughs> you are so I ruined it for everybody. No. Lock in Japan, locks in Japan, you can pick them just one specific type of lock. So you, you bring can, your yeah, lock, exactly. pick them out. Yeah, okay. they don't use credit cards a lot there, so they <laughs> have no idea about that trick. Yeah. <laughs> My last question to you yeah. about uh, sort of, I, you do have to defend your thesis, correct? Yes. So what was that like? I mean, you were defending a thesis about video games. Yeah, it wasn't so bad. You didn't get a wedgie? Nobody (laughs) gave me a wedgie. (laughs) What is is school like where you come from? Um, Germany? I'm from Germany. It's all fun. I mean, this book is about the art and storytelling and stuff like that, like concepts that were probably pretty easy for your professors to grasp. Exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, the people I was defending the thesis against were professors that I'd worked with for years. Mm -hmm. And so I knew what they knew. And so, I mean, it was really sort of putting it into context of, you know, this is an advancement of the the work that you're doing. So, yeah, I ended up 
yeah, I did okay. I graduated. Cool. All right. Yeah. 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 There's a happy ending to this story. Tell folks where they can buy this book again. Um, so uh, very soon in the next days, weeks, I mean, there should be uh, listings appearing on Amazon, Barnes & Noble for the new version, which is by Dover Publications. So you can pre-order it. I don't want you to think that you have to pre-order it. These are not Amiibos. Uh, these are not – there's no GameStop exclusive chapter. Like, don't worry about that. <laughs> okay. You don't have to pre-order it, but you can if you want to. Um, and then actually if you uh, – you might even be able to wait because Dover – on their actual website, once the book comes out, we'll do bundles where you can buy the the paperback version and the ebook version for like a significantly reduced uh, price. Okay. So that might be a good thing for you know if, if you're a collector like me and you just want to put something on the shelf and then never actually touch it. Yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. amiibos. Yeah. yeah. Hey, but yeah. if you ever write a paper for school, it's better to have the hard copy. If you ever write a paper to school, I really suggest that you try to get it published as a book and get some money for no, it. No, no, I'm saying if you, you need really to write well. a paper and cite oh, yes. this like I did. Oh, it's better to have the hard copy yeah. so you can bring it in, basically, yeah. and be like, this yeah. really, this book really exactly. exists. Yeah. True, true enough. Do you ever approach a book about Nintendo again or about Japanese video games again? You know, I know you uh, did retro video game hacks, which wasn't that. Yeah, yeah. I love um, the idea of like writing another book. But uh, at, at, like, at this point in my life, in 2004, it was really easy because I didn't have a job, as I said. Mm-hmm. So I had a whole lot of time to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, it's like I have a lot. I have a lot on my plate. Right. So, yeah. you know. Maybe one day before I die? Totally. But they're really now, interesting. I'm going to write a new chapter for this book. Yeah. So, yeah. Game you should Andy Eddie to do it. It's gonna, I will have Andy <laughs> Eddie do it. Absolutely. Really? Yes. Now, I mean, there's so, so many interesting stories to be told about Japanese development now, right? Like you see, it's like the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. Look at Konami, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And certainly Nintendo has seen its ups and downs. And I, like, I wrote this book. I finished off this book just as uh, Japan in general was about to go off a cliff, right? Yeah. As far as uh, their... Um, influence worldwide mm-hmm. and also the the domestic Japanese video game console industry in general. And then also I wrote this book just as Nintendo was about to emerge from its 2004 total obscurity uh, into, you know, just world beating with the DS. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Very so, cool. So it was like, it was really ill-timed. The whole thing was <laughs> terrible timing. Like your last sentence is like, and thus the company is doomed. Yes. Yeah, well, actually, They're about no. to announce the I will, Wii. I will tell you, in this book, uh, there is a whole, there is a section towards the end at which I talk about, um, this is true, uh, the, the possibly Japanese games helping out with the gender gap, which I think it absolutely did. Okay. Um, and then a, there is a section called, is simpler better? in which uh, Satoru Iwata talks about um, what the game industry needs are simpler, more accessible video games. Oh. And that absolutely spelled out That's what funny. Nintendo was about to do. So and, you know, cool. It was in there. And every iOS there. developer ever. Well, of yeah. course. Mm-hmm. Yes. Follow suit. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Chris, for sharing that with us. And thank now you. Let's thank you for allowing me to do that. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So let's jump into then some Splatoon impressions. We've all been playing it. We're in the middle of reviewing it, I guess, because it comes out on May 29th in North America, I think on the 28th if you're in Japan and Australia and you're listening to this. And there's another global test fire coming up, so I'm sure people still want to hear more impressions of Splatoon. So anything's open in campaign. There is a limitation on nothing past World 3. Yeah, that we and, can talk about. Uh, we can't anything talk about with multiplayer. But so I think it all. I mean, I, I was really, after knowing everything about Splatoon and everything, I, the big unknown for me was single player. So mm-hmm. the fact that I've been playing it and enjoying it is like, that's, I think, really good. Oh. I like that they spent some time on making cool puzzles in single player and that it feels good. You know, I... I can't talk about the later stuff. The single no. player Splatoon Early is on, like is is like Super Mario Galaxy three yep. with with paint with ink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's 
I mean, first of all, like, I mean, as you play through levels, you, you realize they are laid out absolutely like Mario Galaxy levels. They totally you, are. The star on, that shoots you to another yeah, like, planet. Yeah, right. So, so that works. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're really brilliant. I mean, each mm-hmm. each individual level, it just very much like Mario Galaxy, has one unique thing, and then it does that thing yeah, exactly. from teaching you how to do it to raising the challenge to giving you one last challenge, mm-hmm. and then the, you move on to the next level, and it's a it's a totally different thing right. um, from you know just totally different applications of like using the paint from uh, I, I don't want to mention things because I forget yeah. what world they're in, uh-huh. but there's like. No, I'm not even going to mention it. There's <laughs> but it's like the puzzles build on each other too, yeah, right? Like when yeah. you encounter the first boss, it establishes this visual and functional style of how mm-hmm. this boss functions. Then you encounter the second one and like it kind of builds on the concept that, yeah. that you've learned, which is, you know, vintage Nintendo. And I, I will say like, you know, I, I thought the single player was going to be much more kind of like a, a slightly more elaborate single player version of fighting bots in order to yeah. beat a level. And yeah. it's not. It's no. like it's very yeah. different. It is much more like a galaxy without the, the focus on jumping. Yeah. It's but, about getting yeah. to a place or beating a boss. It's not about like clear out all the enemies in an area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right. The levels cool. that do have the, uh, Oct- I'm sorry, the Octarian bots though, the, the female looking the Octarian Octarian bots. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, those are probably the more forgettable levels of the yep. game. And they do reuse that idea. Idea. That's what it that's what I was afraid to the it was gonna flaw. be. Yeah, yeah which yeah. is and to be fair though, I feel like a lot of companies that make uh, shooters struggle with you know sort of what AI, how difficult AI is to fight, and sort of the behaviors around AI. Like obviously, Halo got it right. The minute you fight an elite in like Halo, you notice hmm. and you know that it's reacting to everything you're doing. Whereas the Arcturians just kind of run up to you and don't really and- show any sort of. Uh, preservation and defeating them doesn't feel special. It does, right? Like that's the that's one of the issues. It's like if if bots, if you know how to beat this the first bot and then more come, it, yeah. it's not an amazing experience, right? right? So I don't mind yeah. it getting it. It, yeah. it gets sprinkled. I think there's yeah. like there seems there's so far there seems to be like just one of those per world. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. Yeah. you yeah. know that, that's all right. But I'm you with guys, you. It's not an issue. Like in playing online, which I haven't at all. Uh, have you guys noticed people that are like really really? talented at like moving through the Splatoon oh, yeah. world oh, yeah. because they make them like skate parks and in my you know experience of single player and at events and stuff like that like I just like I feel like I'm not moving the right way for these worlds. You you can learn by watching others play, yeah. and like because the areas are confined, like you'll notice some, you know, like you you fall through grates, right? If you turn into a squid, you'll fall through yeah. grates, and like you can use all that to your advantage, like shooting somebody and then falling through the grate when somebody attacks you back, mm-hmm. or like swimming or like splattering a, a pillar and then yeah. swimming up the pillar yeah. and and being basically the the sniper on the tower, right. like. All of that That's stuff cool. you learn by observing other players. But people yeah. aren't moving around like Tony Hawk or something, like really, really fluidly. Um, so. I have the occasional game where I'm pretty good, and I've seen other games where I feel. Um, like I feel like I, I think like it matters by love, by weapon though. Like I Th- think the, the question ultimately is answered by well, what weapon are you using? Because I think that plays a big role in your strategy. Okay. Mm-hmm. For example, like the splat roller, you know, leaves this lane of paint behind you. You're able to sort of paint areas very quickly. But if you see another enemy, <laughs> you know, okay, I need to retreat. Like your first yeah. impulse if they're facing well. You, if they're, never if they're facing you, get yeah. out of the way. Yeah. If they're if they're turned away from you, yeah. Go you can it. kill them instantly. Yeah. I, I've actually I've actually just been using splat roller since I got the splat roller. I've been really enjoying it because what happens is the the match starts off and everybody runs every which direction yeah. and I just meticulously paint our base. <laughs> yeah. I just paint everything in the base because no because hey yeah. turf is turf first yeah. of all. Yeah. Uh, depending on the map, it's yeah. it's really unlikely that anybody's going to get up there in the first place. They stop you from kind of spawn camping so you can 
you know, you can freely kind of paint a lot of the area around yeah. your base without really having to worry. Yeah. Um, and then at that point, I will say this. I, I don't like it when Nintendo forces you to use a certain controller without really needing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do appreciate that you can only use the gamepad in the situation be- because I do find mm-hmm. myself constantly referencing that map mm-hmm. because I, I glance yeah. down at the map and I'm like, okay, what needs to happen? What isn't the enemy doing? Where didn't they go? Yeah. Did the enemy forget to paint some of the sort of nooks and crevices around their base? If they did, I'm going to try to sneak past everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to squid through this ink past everybody and paint some of the stuff that they're forgetting to paint. The map yeah. is crucial because it's, I mean, we talked about it, how mm-hmm. it is really the most brilliant setup for a kind of capture the flag, right? Like Absolutely. where the very color of the of the of ground. the arena and the ground determines whether you're in the lead or not and you have constant yeah. you have a constant frame of reference but not to the point where you can't turn around the game and what's amazing right. is the tension that arises when you see oh my god they're back in our camp and yeah. like the color you just see the color right you don't yep. always see the enemy you see the color taking over you're like ah you well, know that's what enters your mind immediately the second you haven't seen an enemy in a while you're just like well they're back in our yep. face yep. you right. glance down at the map and then you realize it I will say this though that too, they painted over yeah. A lot, yeah. of your area. a lot of it, yeah. but the more you play the maps that this game ships with, the more you are quick to identify from that top-down perspective on the gamepad. What are the crucial control points? What yeah. are the areas that okay? If we control the lower rectangle and most of the upper rectangle and like salt spray rig, I think is the name of the place. Yeah, something yeah. Like that, oh you yeah. Know, immediately we've got this map. Yeah, Whereas salt spray rig places, is really interesting because that's yeah. one of, I think in which painting your whole base is important because you you can jump off of that area, but getting back up onto it is really difficult. Mm, that's right. So the chances of the enemy getting back up into your base area are very low. Yeah. So you really should paint that whole thing because nobody's going to come up there and mess with it and then just forget about it for the rest of everything and concentrate on those two, the square on the top and yeah. the square on the bottom. But the thing is, the pathways to those places, those are just going to get painted over again and again and yep. again. Mm-hmm. So you really don't want to worry about that until, I think we were talking about before the podcast, the those last, that 30 seconds at the end when you think to yourself, okay, we only have 30 seconds, so anything I paint, there's a good chance it's actually not going to get painted over again. So now it's sort of like I'm going to run a path with my splat roller and just try to you know paint over as much of the other color as I possibly can very willy-nilly um, in the hopes that that's – I mean, there, there have been some matches where we've won it by a couple of percentage points. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of look down and I can see the path that I took yeah. just running around where nobody else was at that point. Yeah, and I love when you're following a splat roller. Like if a splat roller is in front of you and they are oblivious of your existence – and they paint the ground, and you just behind them and paint over it. It's like the yeah. old Pink Panther cartoon. Yeah, well, you know? that was, that was yeah. so about, good. Actually, when you are, when I have been using the splat roller, I also like to notice when another splat roller is behind me because yeah. I do play the a game of chase. Where I'm like, oh yeah, I don't see you. Dip into the ink, swing yeah. back around, get rid of them, <laughs> yep. paint over again and again. Uh-huh. And I will say, I appreciate as well that. Um, each category of weapon, when they make these small changes to the weapons, it ultimately impacts the way you play. So, for example, if you have the splatter shot, which is the gun that you see the amiibo oh. holding, uh, you know, it's sort of a, a mid-range rifle, right? Whereas there's a long-range version that doesn't quite fill in the area closest to you as quickly. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to focus on, well, I need to – I'm not painting the same way with this brush, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Because if I do, it's taking me longer to do that, and I'm honestly more effective if I'm helping paint other areas that are at a long distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, tons of tons of strategy, and I do like that Nintendo kind of picked up on that. In sh- in a shooter today, it's not enough to just have cool weapons and yeah. and dump them into a map and you're done, 
right? Like mobility plays a big part in how these matches unfold and being smart on how you move is part of that. So that my, my issue with the three demo, right? Like I came out of E3 and I'm like, yeah, this could be a good game, but I wasn't feeling it yet. Right. Like yeah. I wasn't that impressed. And like a lot of our fans, I think, said, it looks great. What are you guys talking about? Right. Like as the person having played it, I didn't really like the way the gun felt and mm-hmm. like the, the kind of sense you got from taking out an enemy. But like now with the variety and I think the roller really made that game for me. The first time you yeah. just roll, it so just zen. feels so intuitively <laughs> wonderful. Yep. And seeing the paint effects and everything just splatter, it's, it's like, just yeah, like again, a little hooked at that just, point. If, if all you want to do is try to stealth and paint when nobody is noticing and you don't really, you, if you don't want to get into one-on-one conflicts with other enemies that much, then that is a good yep. weapon to grab. And that's what I think is ultimately what makes this game so special is that even that contribution is huge to your team winning yes. the game. Yeah. Now yeah. the problem with this is um, That's here true. on this podcast called Nintendo Voice Chat mm. is that the game does not have voice chat yes. and it is a heavily strategic game and we're not allowed like to talk so, about that and I, I <laughs> sorry no I say we're not allowed to talk about that and we're not allowed to no, talk no, no, about no, that no, no. he's joking so, he's joking no, I see, I see. People, are, people are divided when, when we bring up that issue right there, there are a lot of Nintendo fans who say uh, whenever I go online and, and hear somebody in voice chat they're, they're nasty people so I don't want to hear them they're not talking about the friendly experience yeah. right yeah. like we we love that experience of like right. playing with I'm friends. Not saying, look, I'm not yeah. saying that like I'm gonna force people to listen to whatever no, no. randos they yeah. end up in this in this match with. Of course, then again, Nintendo really would be saying that because I mean, another issue is that like right now you you can't even you can't even like pick a team of people and play with those people. Right like now. You, yeah. you can yeah. just you can play with just your are friends they if you to want to. That? They, are. August, yeah. Yeah. they are. August, that's and the thing is, they've yeah. already kind of preemptively said, oh, in August we're going to roll out matchmaking and lobbies and teams it's, and things. That's like a that. weird they, thing to delay. And they have yeah. to at that point add weapon set swapping. Oh yeah. While you're wait, waiting, like I oh, feel yeah, like matchmaking. The oh. bigger than the limitation of the of the voice chat because like sometimes I, I just love leaning back playing and not having to worry about talking to anybody. The right. moment Jose pops into my team or into my my enemy group, I'm like, man, I sure would love to say hi. Yeah. Or, tell him, I know. or tell him, hey, I'm going to go buy a new weapon right, right now. Come on out of the room because you otherwise know, there's no chance I can ever find him again. The problem you know? is people are going to use Ventrilo or people are going to use some chatting, mm-hmm. Skype or whatever it is, service, and they're going to be dominating um, online if you're oh, playing that, in ranked battles. They're just gonna they're gonna be yeah, talking to could, each that other. That could totally unbalance the game. Right. Somebody yeah. is just simply. And people are gonna be. Oh my god! How are they? How do they? You know? How are they working together Wizards. so well? Yeah. So I just want to be able to tell everybody like, hey, everybody, I have a roller. I'm painting our base. That's go. Yeah. Or I want to be able to tell everybody, hey, everybody, like. You know, draw all the enemies up to the front, and I'll sneak into their base and paint it. If I could just let people know what I'm doing, yeah. we could we could be much more effective. What's mm-hmm. it like going from Destiny to uh, to oh. uh, Splatoon and back? Well, I only talk to my friends in Destiny, so uh, it's not really that different. Like if I'm playing like uh, something, like that's you've been playing Destiny nonstop. Though. I have, yeah. Oh yeah. no, I mean it's they're they're uh, unique in their own way, right? Although I am impressed that uh, Splatoon does have like. A gear re-rolling, for example, and things like that. Like the gear plays an important role. It's not just sort of to make uh, each one of us like look really cool. Oh yeah. Um, there are actual little perks involved, and I think that was really smart that they picked up on yep. that. That they picked up on mobility. I mean, Destiny uh, is is more loot driven. If if the loot is compelling you enough to stay on the game, uh, whereas with Splatoon, I feel like there is something a bit different happening in every multiplayer match. Like, I'm not a big fan of Destiny PvP. I absolutely adore oh, really? Splatoon PvP. So yeah. yeah. Well, there you yeah, go. But yeah, Destiny, no expert, Destiny, I mean, I played a ton with Jose, and it was really about the camaraderie of, like, working together and trying That's to right. overcome, like, the, you know, the AI enemy. Um, 
And like, so it's it's a very different game. And that one really lives off of voice chat because of the collaboration. And like at launch, that's not going to be built into Splatoon, you know, the collaboration aspect because you're not going to, you you know, we, we could be friends, but we might not be on the same team. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say like, I was surprised at the level of progression in Splatoon because I had initially thought it would be more like a Mario Kart with more maps open in the beginning. You just jump in and like, basically what you get in the beginning of the game is the same as what you get later. Well, you unlock more characters in Mario Kart but like the weapons stay the same right Mm -hmm. and in Mm -hmm. this game like you get new abilities you get new specials that you hadn't seen in the very beginning you can't even get the roller right Right. like you have to earn the right to get get the roller at level 10 you can enter match uh, ranked matches which you can for multiplayer's competitive games but I didn't expect this in Splatoon I thought Nintendo would play it much more like a Mario Kart Mm -hmm. everybody got to use everything Yeah, Yeah. but but even in Mario Kart everything unlocks over time sorry like you do need to build up sort of a coin yeah, you need uh, to play it by yourself a lot. Yeah, stages. Yeah, and this one if is more. If you want more... that gold card, no, no, that's so good. Cards. Yeah, the, the, exactly what Sam's talking about. Oh, like that's right. Wheels, yeah, no, yeah, it, it, it does have that. Yeah, lighter. but the cart. I mean, getting cart parts in Mario Kart is more of sort of a lateral kind of shift. Yeah. Like you know, plus like, they were okay, randomized well, in the last one. Yeah. You know, do you want to use a motorcycle yeah. with huge wheels? It's like yeah. that's not necessarily going to give you a distinct advantage over somebody mm-hmm. else. But in this, in this case, it's like gear that ups your defense you yeah, know it's yeah, not yeah. a lateral move it's it's really it's it's climbing so i mean that's why they want you to just keep playing the game so you can keep I, leveling up so you can keep getting mm-hmm. better stuff they're trying to effectuate that sort of positive cycle yeah. and then what they want to do is when people get sick of the fact that they can only i mean another thing is they they're cycling these maps out um randomly how do you feel about that i i mean well, that's for the I beta, though. Re- no. no, it's retail. Yeah, yeah retail. every four hours, it's going to shift in a new set of maps. Maps for each mode. There are only two modes shipping when, well, one technically shipping when this comes out. Ranked play opens later on once the community has reached a certain number, right. and then Which two more modes fast. are coming between now and. You can't ever vote on a map or something. like that? No, don't vote it, on maps. Only ever. no, yeah. only two maps are ever available uh, mm-hmm. for um, one mode for, for battle. So in the capture the the territory game that you guys like a lot. You play that same map a whole lot. Two maps, yeah. yeah. And well, like, they, well, it's two maps, and it just goes back and yeah. forth between. But them, you can four pick. hours later, another one will come in. Yeah. But that's a that that was a limitation. I thought I was going to be super annoyed at that limitation, but mm-hmm. honestly, just bad. playing over and over and over, like I didn't get sick of the maps. But maybe honestly. you will. I mean, the one thing I will th- say in three weeks, though. I, you know? I wish I would know what map I'm getting because I would use the roller on certain ones and not yeah. on they other don't ones. Tell, you show you ahead of time. No. I don't know what. Pr- yeah. Well, they do. They do tell you what maps are going to be in the rotation. Okay, yeah, but, but I don't you know, don't know what which problem one. they're trying to solve yeah. with this. Like, I yeah. don't really. That is a weird decision. To typically, no, when Nintendo does something weird, it's like, oh, well, they're trying to solve such and such <laughs> they, a problem. They, yeah. I'm, I'm really confused like, as to what the problem is. Like, Pear, I know, doesn't like the skate park. So, for example, there's a lot with of the ramps roller. there, and the roller just doesn't go oh, up the inclines sure. very well. Yeah. So you right, have yeah. to kind of sort of paint the lowest area possible or jump and, to higher and areas. And you were saying what you want is when you're as you're waiting there for a match to start. You want to be able to play with your love. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I mean, ideally, I want to see who's on my team so that I can already like right. say, hey, we've got three rollers on the team. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. go for a different go gun, right? Like, yeah, it true. does. I will say it somehow charmingly works out because yeah. like sometimes you're like, oh, God, we all have the same gun. And then you win and it's a great <laughs> victory. And like yeah. it somehow works. And they did a really nice yeah. job balancing it. I thought I was going to hate the two map limitation. But like after playing like game after game for hours, I actually noticed him. I'm like, wait, I don't 
have a huge problem with it. Right yeah, now. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't what really I, what, mind. But what I do yeah. have a problem with is the freaking like Switch street sisters. street pass game effect of having to sit through the cutscene with the squid <laughs> sisters. Oh, yeah. Like you start the game off, uh, off the game's super fun, right? So I want to jump in right away. And I get a a text only blah, 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 cutscene saying today's maps are yeah. and like it makes you sit through that whole thing like all you had to I say do, I yeah. I will say <sighs> for now I really do like that they used uh, the 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 skip uh, style of um, uh, text of 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 well, I don't know what you even call it the, yeah, the so speech. Sort of, the it's randomized called Animal Crossing. It's called yeah. like Babel or that. Yeah. there's a name for it. Animalese. But it's Animalese. Animalese. Babelese. Yeah, but it's more. It's Babelese, it, but it's more. Sound, it more sounds like uh, like um, Chibi Robo yeah. and Gift Pia <laughs> and <laughs> Skip <laughs> Games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I like that. No, I have no problem with the style and freaking Tuxedo Cat is amazing, right? Like yeah. all the, the characters are really cute. all the characters are great. I mean, this this is yeah. so frustrating. I mean, reading reading um, the Iwata asks about this, or they underscore. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, these are the first characters that EA has done in fourteen years or EA. Yeah. Under 14 years. Um, it, they're sad. so good at it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like they're so great. These are great, great characters. Um, and it's just so frustrating I that like this, clear, uh, this uh, organization pack. within Nintendo is just tasked with only just doing Mario and it, Zelda games forever yeah. because hmm. when they actually do original new characters, look at how the community responded to the Splatoon characters. That's right. Um, Squid is with, awesome. With just all the fan art and the enthusiasm that's happened after E3. Yeah. They're designed so well. The Squid is great. Um, Generic names. And the, the bosses too. Yeah. I'll say that. The yeah, bosses, that's, that's, the boss fights are great. Talk, Everything is. We really, talked about that. It's, really it, well is, feet. it is a pity that they don't spend the extra time to say, "Hey, we're going to really make this a character, give the character a name, and build him up." Right? It is. You, you're still getting boy and girl. I'm sure that Squid. will change over time, but like they're they're very old school that way. It's like it's no. Old, I mean, know? they let you. I mean, it's they let you customize your boy and girl characters <laughs> um, with with skin tones, which again is. I, I look at Splatoon and I see Nintendo listening, I think, to Western fans. Because when the skin tone argument kind of happened during Animal Crossing, people Mm. were just like, I want my villager to look like me, not because we both wear a green shirt, but because I want him to have dark skin um, or, or, you know, whatever. They, you can do that. You can make a, you know, a character that is black as night in in Splatoon, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, as someone who uh, noticed that in Animal Crossing, I will say that was a bummer. And the answer was yeah. sit in the sun for like eight hours. I'm like, no, I'm not no, leaving my no. 3DS house yeah, exactly. like, for that long. I'm not suntan. <laughs> I'm tan for I'm life. I'm Latino. <laughs> right. People said that? You Pretty could, much. They I recommend the suntan technique in Animal Crossing? No, that was the answer I, I stumbled upon because I looked yeah. through uh, your gamma. Places. I looked on the IGN wiki. Yeah. All right. So uh, but, that's about it for Splatoon, unless anyone has anything else to add. Well, no, I, these Amiibo are really cute. Yeah, yeah. we have uh, them here on the we did an unboxing today, and yep. everybody should check it out. Uh, even if you're not interested in these designs, like I'm a little bit iffy on these designs. I don't think they're that great, but I really like the amiibo uh, build quality, and they're just like really cool looking. Yeah, and I look like at the, the squid. Stand I think that on they the squid man. Like we're, we are day, we are yeah. There's like a splash from... of paint on on all of the bases, which yeah, is really. Cool. We are light years from the Zelda the the Link P stand gold thing. I think they actually it. designed. First of all, I think there's a lot of things we can say about the design of the amiibos. Mm-hmm. One, they're clearly actually designed to be figures and stand up and not have to have ridiculous I'm holding pit from Kid Icarus here with his yep. little stand. Yeah, the poses from Smash um, Brothers are from a video game. So they're, they're, you know, these the, ones are designed to be toys. They're just they're more simply done and I think that's going to help Nintendo uh I I I I certainly hope that Splatoon amiibos are not super hard to find. I actually don't think mm, they I don't will think they're be. gonna be they seem to be common. I think that they've I think they've done them I think they can 
you know, make more of these on a shorter time frame because they're not so ridiculously uh, overly elaborate. Like I, the I, I can't believe they have a clear uh, tank for the ink, and you yeah, can yeah. see the ink inside. They got a little yeah. ink canister on the back that's see-through yeah, with the, paint they're in still, it. They're still really cool figures for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the splash of paint on the base was also a really, really good touch because I know that was one of your disappointments with the Smash series, that the base itself wasn't something on par with like a Skylanders where it's a little bit of a, of a set. It all fits. Yeah, I, I yeah. get, I you know, I never liked the coin as a stand for the Smash Brothers characters. I wish it was a piece of that character's level, you know, the way that the the Skylanders are designed. But mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're serviceable. But these are much better. I mean, look when at the they, squid has reissue, a big paint splash at the bottom. When they reissue so, the yeah. girl, they can make her nose into a little painted on triangle instead of a sticking out triangle. Yep. Uh, yeah. 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 Right. That's what they do with the villager. All right. All right. Cool. So we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we are gonna talk about some news, and then we will be done with the show. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Jose Otero here with Sam Claiborne, Per Schneider, Chris Kohler, and we are talking about the Nintendo World Championships. (laughs) What year is it? Uh, (laughs) What year is it? It's It's 2015. 2015. It's not even an anniversary of the championships. First time in what? 24 years. 24? 25 years. 25 years since the Nintendo World Championships. Well, they had them in 1990. Yeah. The, the The card is from 92, though. No, the card's from it's 1990. 90. Okay, so it's yeah. 25 So it's the 25th yeah. anniversary, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, for the first time, during E3, Nintendo will basically host the finals of this thing. The Sunday of that week, apparently, is when yeah. they're rolling this out at some partner stores, I believe. Is it only Best Buy? It's like eight Best Buy locations, right? Okay. Around the, around the U.S. Yes, the bigger yes. Best the, most of them are in California. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that too. Not, it's it's going to be a short it's flight. Not a this spread. is not, I mean, again, like they're calling it the Nintendo World Championships, and, you know, they have every right to do that. Yeah. But importantly, like, when, when they did this in 1990, they went to, like, sports arenas, and they, I mean, they rented out, they had a lot more money there. It was the height of Nintendo <laughs> Mania. Yeah, I mean, they, they did these, they, it was big, big, big things. This is, well, they're going one day, uh, they're going to Best Buys, and mm-hmm. you can go there and you can play the game. It's a nostalgia I mean, play, right? It's, like, it's, like, those yeah. I'm not. Stuff. I'm not saying this is a. It, this is not a non. This is not a simple thing for them to do. This is a complicated thing that they're doing. Yeah. But it's not as crazy as as the mm-hmm. 1990 mm-hmm. ones. But no, it's still really fair. cool. It's a cool idea. Absolutely, yeah. uh, it feels like uh, definitely off of last year's Smash Bros. Invitational. Nintendo yeah. is very clued into. We need our fan support, and we should. We have fan support. We should be using it. Um, and so something like this that being during E3, I think, key, is, is a yeah. pretty cool thing for them, especially because their backs are against the wall with, you know, the other consoles on the other side, you know, iOS and smartphones on the other side. Although they're part of that market now, they're still not in it yet until those right, games show right, up. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Did um, you play the remix mode it's based on? Um, no, I did not. So in NES Remix 2, um, there's a, there is a championship mode, which is like a reference to the Nintendo World Championships, uh, the original 1991s, which, in which at that time it was you collect, you know, 25 coins in Super Mario Brothers, you, you beat the first level of Rad Racer and then play, uh, Tetris for as long as you have left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, it's a great combination of games and those aren't all made by Nintendo too, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But only, only one of them was. Yes. They were all published by Nintendo. Yeah. yeah the, 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 
uh, but the uh, this one is uh, Doctor Mario, Super Mario Brothers, and Super Mario Brothers Three, and it's uh, it, it's not a, it, it's interesting of a mix, but it's really cool that they they made that and then uh, as a you know world championship like thing, and now they're actually using it for world championships. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. And so the, not using the Splatoon major and the major Smash difference, Brothers and the stuff. major difference between that competition and this one. You can practice for this yes, competition. Yes, you can. Um, you, you don't think there will be a surprise, like a game that nobody expects? Oh, I mean, you, you can practice Maybe. for the qualifiers. Yeah, yeah. You can practice yeah, for the qualifiers. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, you know, Fred Savage still knew where the warp whistle was, yeah. even though Which he had practiced it. Which was, of course, not the Nintendo World Championships. That was video Armageddon. <laughs> and it's the also major difference between Nintendo. that and this is that was fake. <laughs> Fred Savage didn't know where it was. The girl was shouting at him. <laughs> no, Fred Savage didn't play the games. Fred Savage's yeah, right, yeah. autistic it's, it's younger Billy, brother, Jimmy, Jimmy yeah. played the games. Oh, that's no, right. you're, you're committing the classic double dragon switcheroo. It's yes. not Billy and yes. Jimmy. Yes, exactly. So the game the game yeah. sounds cool, and like I, I'm, I'm, I think that's really interesting. I, I want to know what the prize is. That's the most they important haven't said, thing. Well, first of all, they haven't said what the prize is. They've said that they're going to pick eight finalists, one from each of the Best Buy stores. Mm-hmm. Then there's eight people that Nintendo is selecting and yeah. inviting to the competition, mm. and they haven't said what. And they said the games they're playing at the competition are going to be different. Mm-hmm. So they haven't said what those are. They haven't said what the prize is. So we're hoping it's the uh, prize is some kind of yeah. limited video game. It's going to be a new Mario Brothers. Yeah, uh, our uh, it can just be a little Mac amiibo. That thing's worth like a hundred bucks. Yeah, <laughs> we we brought a, a, a friend of the show, Steve Lynn, on yes. before, and he's brought his Nintendo World Championship cartridges to IGN. We did a thing, and of course, you brought some rare rare games too. We did the same show, but uh, he has two of the original uh, cartridges, the gray one and the gold one. There's uh, 116 of them known to exist, mm. and uh, it's just amazing that, to to see something that that you know is that rare from this competition back then. They have to simulate something. Like yeah, that. and I, I mean, I think the the takeaway from this for me and is that they're using E three to do something that is for gamers, right? Like E three yeah. is the most wonderful place on earth for gamers with locked doors, right? Right? Like mm-hmm. you can you can look in through our websites and our coverage, mm-hmm. but this is actually for gamers, you know. Yeah, let's take a yeah. step back here. Nintendo is has been rethinking E three for a long time, and I think it's really kind of latched on to a lot of really good, really important things. Um, I was very surprised coming back from E3 last year uh, to hear so many people saying, oh my God, Nintendo, they ran E3. They absolutely ruled E3. It was yeah, like, they did a live stream. Really, why time. did you think that? Yeah, because they did live streams of their games. Like if I went to E3, I, I don't know <laughs> jack about Xenoblade Chronicles mm-hmm. X, but apparently they did a live stream <laughs> at E3, which if you were at E3, you couldn't see it yeah, because right. you were at E3. But if you were sitting at home, you could watch this extensive yeah. live stream footage and really if you're at E3 any I mean if you if you're paying attention to E3 coverage you know that's about that's that's about the best coverage you can possibly get is the developer and somebody from Nintendo just sitting down and doing an extensive playthrough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the digital event, you know, not renting out a huge theater anymore or renting out a huge theater, but doing it for a Smash Brothers competition. Yeah. Or are you doing it for the Nintendo World Championships or, or Steam, which was weird last year. It's like look people mm-hmm. You know, that assembling work. assembling the world's media and putting them into this theater, it's it's kind of almost counterproductive now. Yeah. Um, and and in just saying 
we're not going to do this anymore, and we're going to do all this other kind of weird stuff. It makes yeah. a lot more sense. I hear you. And they owned it the, really well. They the, put Miyamoto on camera. They got Tezuka on camera. Like stuff that even we couldn't get as media, as people who were asking for this oh, stuff yeah. to bring coverage to our to our audiences. Yeah, hey, I hear we a pinball machine. Yeah, that's an awesome ringtone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thanks. They were able to to roll that out, and it makes what we do kind of challenging, but at the same time, we offer a lot of opinion on that stuff, whereas I, I, you won't see that thing. Yeah, and, and that obviously, you know, last year's E3 was amazing traffic for us. Lots of people came Absolutely. specifically for those opinions and, and and get kind of like the follow-up coverage. I will say that I mean, that's one... What, that's what we have to do right, now, right? But, I mean, that, that is what we have to do. Yeah, it's, it's less about access and more about opinion and, yeah. like, giving people uh, insight. Um, no, but, but the one challenge with that approach is the retailer relationship and the, you know, like, there is something about having the entire GameStop management team in your press conference and getting them excited about new product that's going to debut in the fall. And mm-hmm. Nintendo does not have that factor right now. And I do think that is an issue for them. You know, with mm. E3, now they can solve that with afterwards when they meet with these companies. Yeah. Um, but at E3, that is the one factor that they're missing out on. And I do think that has an impact because Nintendo's retailer relationship is not mm-hmm. awesome and they're yeah, not excited about product. We, we're not really retailers. So we don't really know, right. like, what is Nintendo doing to go and supplement that mm-hmm. um, and try to show retailers, like, this is how excited people are. Yeah. If they bring retailers by the booth where Nintendo will still have tons of lines at the yeah. booth, they can show them the enthusiasm that's being generated without necessarily having to have like an audience applaud for things at a, at a press conference. Yeah, not the same effect though. I will oh, I will yeah. tell you. But you know what? Yeah. That's that's going away though. Yeah. Because yeah. even it, even Nintendo, which is which has always been a very traditional company, I mean a lot of their, you know, more and more of their sales are digital. Yeah. We're just moving towards this age where really yeah. it's it's companies interfacing with players yeah. rather than needing all the middle. Well, and they're between. watching the reactions on social Social networks. They're yeah. watching the reactions on Facebook, which yeah. which can echo slightly louder, only because it's it's not just contained to a conference. Hall, and that's right? a good point. Which is, it's ironic that this E3 is probably the E3 with the most press conferences in like a decade. Oh yeah, you know, oh, like yeah. there is now a Square conference. You, you get know, a conference. There's you, you get there's conference. EA. You there's get there's, there's the PC conference, right? Yeah. It's being run by PC Gamer. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's lots of lots yep. of things. Just yep. to drive back to Nintendo World Championships for a real quick bit before Every, we. Move Everybody is everybody is trying to do a conference this year because the mm. stakes are so much higher. Like these companies, they have maybe one or two games that they're oh, going to release, steaks. and they the delicious stakes. <laughs> they have like one or two games they're going to release, and the the it's getting to the point where they really have to make a huge splash with these games, or they're they're in big trouble. Yeah. So I think that's why you see this sort of very very rickety house of cards being built in which everybody is trying to make this gigantic splash now. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, what I was going to end on Sorry, was yeah. that Nintendo World Championship, do you think that uh, we'll possibly see the original ROM on Virtual Console? Do you think they end or do they just quietly no, roll that out? No, because I don't, say, yeah, I, I don't really on. think they want to mm-hmm. like... If they were going to do it, they'd have done it. I don't think they want to go a relicensed Ride Racer from Square. Mm-hmm. Um, Plus, they'd have to or, build in the dip switch setting somehow. Which be right, nice, right. Which I don't think they... And you know what? It's It did come out in Japan. If it had come out in Japan, maybe. Yeah. But it was really very much an American thing, and for them to try to convince the Japanese engineers to like work on that, they're going to be like, "Why? Who cares?" Yeah. They, they did add the pie level to Donkey Kong, which is pretty pretty amazing. We should all just be happy with that. It's true. Yeah. 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 So thinking of that, all right. And then lastly, we will end with uh, one more E3 story, which is that we've learned uh, Satoru Iwata will not be at E3 oh, yeah. again in 2015. So last year, Satur, uh, President of Nintendo, Satoru Iwata, missed E3 because of health concerns. Uh, he was advised by a doctor not to go. It ended up being a growth on his bile duct, which was kind of gross when that Scary. finally came out. Yeah. 
Uh, too much you know, information. We still, but we we're still seeing him sort of recover from that. Like he looks a lot thinner when, for yeah. the last time, or excuse me, the first time we saw him, which was I feel like the Nintendo DNA conference, or maybe even the oh yeah, uh, last time uh, was the financial the financial briefing yes. that was just uh, earlier this month. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, excuse me. I mean, the first time he's, we saw him, so he's still yeah. skinnier. That I mean, that may be connected to his recovery from mm-hmm. the disease. It may be he he's changed some things about his health. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like who who really knows? Yeah, but regardless, um, he chose to. Opt out of this one. Well, that's what they're saying. Yeah. Important to remember, you know, last year Nintendo said it was because of his health. That's mm-hmm. what they said. Mm-hmm. You know, this year Nintendo said that he has things keeping him in Japan. Mm. I mean, it it may it may be ongoing health issues. It yeah. may not be. It may be absolutely that he just has other things to do in Japan, which is very very strange. Um, E3 is kind of huge he, and important. But he'll be on the direct and stuff, though. He'll be on the direct, but he films those in Japan. It could, yeah. it could also be cost savings, right? Like, that is, if you, as a CEO, want to make a statement about an event, right? Like, uh, about mm-hmm. about your income, your earnings, you, you can say, hey, I'm not going to go to E3, yeah. and we're, we have redu- reduced footprint, blah, 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 it, right? And it, yeah. could, it could simply be that he, it, by saying, I'm not going to go to E3, it precludes any media outlet from wanting to get an interview with mm-hmm, him because right. they're just like, well, he's not at E3. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there might be a reason for Nintendo to just not really want to have him doing too many, like, wide-ranging interviews mm-hmm. about video games at this point because maybe he doesn't really want to get asked about the NX because oh. there's nothing to say yet. Maybe or, he doesn't want to get asked about smartphones from everybody because yeah. there's but, nothing yeah. to say. Or, That's a lot. Maybe or, he doesn't want to get asked about, like, the fact that the Wii U isn't doing very well. Because yeah. he doesn't want to. There's no good answer. There's one more. There's one yeah. more conspiracy theory, and that's you know mm-hmm. when when uh, the leader of a company is on his way out, you are not putting them in front of the press. Exactly. Right. Like, yeah. and that could be could be again related to health. You know, you could be yeah. looking at a retirement, early retirement at the end of the year because of health reasons or something. And so right. maybe they're keeping him out of the press because. So of that. he doesn't like drop the mic and just tell all. Yeah. Yeah, pretty you, much. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, mm-hmm. really, really, who knows? You know, yep. you cannot simply take at face value what Nintendo says. It could be that or it could be any number of other things. But it is it is a little weird it when is. the CEO of Nintendo, when, when Iwata does not go to E3. Yep. No, build a little bit more on that. Why? Like, what specifically does that sort of say? It's, it's the biggest yearly event for the video games industry. Typically, all of your executives go out. That's where the executive, mm-hmm. you know, meets the press. And, you know, that's where the, the CEO goes there and talks to retailers. And, like, you know, all and the to so his much business peers, gets done. His peers in the Japanese yeah. game industry, I don't think they all just, like, come together for some reason anytime else. I mean, mm-hmm. TGS, Nintendo doesn't even go to that. Right. That's like, right. this is the time for... All Japanese developers to and and people that are running the companies to all kind of see each other and meet each other. I mean, yeah. it, it's really important that he he, he but, would be there. I, but, I would imagine. You know, I mean, the, it it will still work because they do pre-record stuff for their media briefings, right? So you will get some FaceTime. I think from it's going to be a hologram in this the show. It might be a hologram. <laughs> yeah. projected from earrings. It's yeah. I mean, it's they're going to miss out on him being able to you know take all the meetings that he usually takes at E three, yep. but. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, it could it's gonna mess it, out on the IGN interview. It, it, I mean, come it could on. Just simply be that they realize that just they they gain more by having him at home and not having to worry about scheduling interviews or meetings with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or yeah. Or I mean, or it could be that he's been advised to not travel for health reasons again, but they could don't want to say that two years in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. No, it's a good point. 
Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, hopefully, if it is health-related, health Mr. Water gets well. But if not, you can always count on this podcast to be around uh, every week here at IGN. Uh, thank you for listening. What to if we get a growth in our bile ducts? I hope not. That's gross. <laughs> but uh, thank you for listening to this on the voice chat. We are a weekly show on IGN, but we have a dozen and other podcasts for you to listen to, shows, features. We have videos on this site. So make sure you come over to IGN.com, check out our content, check out what we're doing. A lot of cool stuff. Yeah, no, we have, a, we have again, like if you're into Game of Thrones, we're, we've got a little experiment running right now called Dragons on the Wall. That's a weekly Game of Thrones podcast where, you know, folks from uh, our LA office or even here talk about the episode. Yeah, this you know, week's is really half, good. Yeah, this is going to be good, right? Well, well, this 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 one from that's coming up this week, it's the seventh episode of the season. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times the seventh and eighth episode is when all the action happens. Yep. So I think this is maybe this the shocker episode. And of course, right? last week's, I highly recommend you go back to the archive of that show because the one uh, that, that previously happened was uh, a really sensitive topic that I think the podcast just handled really well, and it's just I listened to the whole thing. And they do this nice split where the first half of the of the talk is usually for fans who have seen the latest episode, and then mm-hmm. the second half is the spoiler if you've read the book kind of uh, episode. So okay. they set it up really nicely. Of course, Jose is often on the uh, Fire Team Chat episode, uh, podcast, uh, all about Destiny. Right? right? We and like they, our little and they talk podcast. about on that too, right? You do? No, no. But we're going to be. But you guys are all about, playing. Oh, no, we're going to be talking a lot about House of Wolves, which. Uh, uh, just came out this week. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Like Bungie is sort of learning, thank God, because Dark Below was a, a major disappointment for a lot of us. Um, yeah, and if you like our podcast, you can leave us feedback. Uh, first, so, firstly, you can email us at mvc at ign.com. And if not, you can head on over to iTunes and also just leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. What happened to the NX predictions? When are we going to do that? Next week, I promise. I didn't, to, I didn't want to have Chris sit through okay, that. Chris want, I didn't prep Chris for this. I'll tell you what it's going to be. All right, All let's right? hear it. Chris Kohler. It's going to be... <laughs> NX predictions. NX is going to be a, um, a portable that docks. NX is going to be... Yeah. It's going to be... We, it's we're gonna also be a portable. It's going to be a portable <laughs> machine. Um, I don't know if it's going to be... You're not going to put Wii U discs into it, but it's going to be really, really easy to port Wii U software to it. So you're going to play Wii U software on this <laughs> portable, and then you're going to take it home, and you can plug it into your TV, and the games can be can be home games. That's what NX is. But NX is really a platform, and they're going to introduce various versions, like just a home version or just a portable version. But okay. yeah, that's okay. what the first the first one will be. Okay. It'll, it'll dock at home. There nice. you go. Done. Nice. I'm buying on, on the marker. I'm buying, I'm buying one. Everybody on this hybrid console. Thing. I'm going oh, yeah. with a three-screen handheld. They, Nintendo, <laughs> Nintendo cannot have two totally separate platforms. 40s. Yeah. No, I think I, I, I see that. It doesn't have the resources to have a, a Game Boy and an NES anymore. It has to all, all has to be one. Or it would if it would just make a box that third parties want to make games for. Which well, at the end of the that's day, you know, the problem. It, 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 you know what? They should if they if they if they can't make one box that third parties don't want to make games for they shouldn't be making <laughs> two boxes that uh-huh. third parties don't. I'm want glad make you games said that. Just only because one. a lot Just of people don't realize that happened with 3ds, right? Like where are mm-hmm. third party games in 3ds these days? Unless you like Garfield Kart. Well, is there a Garfield Kart game? That's uh, there was a leaked image of one. Yeah, I'm getting awesome. one. Right. Uh, there's there a Puzzle go. and Dragons game packed in with Puzzle and Dragons Mario. That's a third party game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They heard you, you like Puzzle and Dragons. So yeah. put Puzzle and Dragons <laughs> in. Put them Puzzle together. Yeah. All right. Cool. I also just really quickly wanted to give a shout out to the NVC Amiibo group on Facebook, which is just a total riot, and I really like uh, hanging out there. So. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, then that's a, that's our show. You can find us on Twitter. You can find Per Schneider at Per IGN. You can find Samuel Claiborne at Samuel underscore And you can IGN. find Wired's Chris Kohler at Kobun Heat, K O B. U-N-H-E-A-T. What's a Kobun? It's a surf bot. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) 
and heat is heat. Damn and it. lastly, Ooh. you can find me, Jose underscore Otero, on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening, and we will be back next week with more Nintendo voice chat. <laughs>